welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. I'm James Kay, and on the line, as always, is Chris Pennett. Chris, I know we usually warm up with a little bit of small talk before we just head into the pod, but dude, based on our last conversation, I feel a little responsible for what happened in Skytown over the last few days, you know? Like, I feel like I jinxed this team a little bit. So, I don't know, man. I'm not – I. Uh, I don't know where like where to start this off because I feel like I owe Skytown a little bit of an apology after jinxing them. <laughs> no, nah, it's nothing like that. You know how it is. This was they were they were probably they were one of the healthier teams in the league right now, and so they were due for some you know if you want to call it an injury hit. That's I guess that's what it is. But losing a couple players to to coronavirus is is expected, right? Like we. I think we should expect it at this point. No matter where people are, it's hard to get away from. We've we've been able to count ourselves lucky. So, you know, that out of so many people in the world, and if you go by percentage of population who have been tested positive out of the people who have tested, then yeah, it's it's normal that a couple of Sky players were going to be out. We should well, have expected it. If it was just COVID, I would feel a little bit better about it, kind of. Not really, but like well, yeah. Jantel. I mean, it's <laughs> it's what Jantel is what I feel the worst about. I mean, you know, Sydney, I know she was di- – Sydney Colson was diagnosed with COVID and she tested positive for it. But I think the biggest news that came out of Skytown this week was just that Jantel had surgery on her foot and will miss the 2020 season. I mean, I almost tweeted it out just like – Chris, I completely messed this up after our pod. Like I knocked on wood too. I feel that is out the door. I'm not even going to do that again or even try to mention anything that could jinx this team. But we have to talk about this now because it is pretty big news for the sky to not have Jantel on this team heading into Florida. So let's just get into it. I mean, in your mind, Chris, how big a blow is losing Jantel to this team and their chances of winning a championship later this July? Well, Jantel was an important part of what the Sky did before she was out with injury last season. Every Everybody saw that. She's won a championship within the last five years. She was sixth woman of the year that year. And her sta- her stats were solid. She provided another um, – she, she added to that great depth the Sky have had on the front line. They were, you know, bringing in um, Kayla Alexander once Jantel went out. Uh, to play some minutes late in the season and then moving a stew do into the lineup. It, it, it maximized what the sky could do, but they're getting, a, they're about as versatile as they can get, especially at that three and four spot. Mm-hmm. But I think what they're really going to miss is developmental opportunity for Ruthie Hebbard because I, you know, she's not the same type of plan for Azari Stevens as well. Neither of them are the same type of player John Tell was. John Tell is kind of a an old an older uh, school type mid range shooting forward. Uh, she's she stepped back and she was adding that three point shot to her game over her rehab time. Uh, but she's really kind of a, a step out, shoot the long range shot, um, take the take the shot from the high post when it's open, power forward and go inside and, and get rebounds when you need them as well. But so I think they're really going to miss that. And she was, you know, she's a solid defender. She's basically a good player for a team to have. Like, I don't want to undersell it, but it's, 
That's what she is. She's a really solid player for a team to have, and she's been in the league nine seasons. So you can't ever replace uh, veteran knowledge and veteran experience like that. So I think they're going to lose another another voice in the locker room, somebody who knows what it takes to win a championship. And she'll she won't be with the team in Florida. That'll be that'll be for sure. But I mean, we've got Zoom, right? Everybody's got Zoom, mm-hmm. and everybody's got <laughs> Google Meet. So I don't think that they're going to be without Jontel completely. I think the thing that you really noticed being at those post-game press conferences last year was just that when she went down last season at the end of July, the players and coaching staff just talked about her leadership on and off the court. And you talked a little bit about that just now, but it's that steadiness she brings, not just as a stretch four, but the leadership she provides and not having her on the sideline, I think will impact this team a little bit, but at the same time, this is a resilient team. And, you know, I don't want to repeat everything you just said, so I'm just going to say this. <laughs> I think the move of valuing the depth they had last year over going after a big star in the offseason is really paying off for them right now. Like, obviously losing someone like a Stu Do and having to trade her to make things work with the cap, that really does hurt this team now, especially because she's someone that really made up for the stability that Jantel brought to the team last season right? when she went down. But at the same time, there are just a lot of worthy candidates to take over Jantel's minutes. And I know that James Wade likes to mess around with certain lineups and plug pieces in that work within the flow of the game. Maybe this hurts his ability to do that just slightly, but at the same time, he has a lot to work with. You can really mess around with small ball lineups as well as, go big in some areas I think that they don't have to change up too too much and I mean let's also just go into it who do you think like who do you want to see take over starting closing minutes at the four for the sky as they go into this 22 game season I mean I loved what Cheyenne Parker did I think she's your first option at the power forward spot just based on her play from last season she really she made a leap the last two years and she had a really nice uh, – two, two nice stretches in uh, the middle uh, – sorry, in August. And then another stretch in September of scoring in double digits. Had a couple of double doubles, I believe, in the, throughout the season. And as we saw in multiple off-season training videos – and take that for what you will. You know, that's one of the most popular things that – uh, come on to basketball Twitter in the off season is, oh man, check out what, what such and such is doing. They're going to be way better this season. And then, you know, it doesn't necessarily bear out, but she's adding distance. She's adding range. I would expect her to have maybe one or two tries from three each game. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll, it'll average out to like one, every couple of games, but I think Cheyenne gets the first crack at it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you mix up some of the minutes at that spot with the rookie uh, Ruthie, but it depends. I mean, there's, there's so many things that you can do with this lineup. This, if you look at the, the roster, just overall size, shortest player on the roster is five, eight, you know, it's, it's not a team where they're starting where they're starting or play, giving a lot of minutes to a small guard and diamond six, one, uh, Stephanie six five, Azare Stevens is a smooth six six. <laughs> so you can, and and Diamond is a guard. Diamond is a guard who could prob who can play three. 
So he's if kind you of just forced take... into that a little bit just because of Vanderquigs, which it makes sense. You know, right. it, like you need to have. I mean, having size and being able to mess around with those lineups is so valuable. And like I just said with James Wade, especially just being able to like, he loves messing around with those lineups and being able to feel out the game. And I think you're right though. Like Cheyenne is going to play a bigger role for this team, especially at that position. I know that people don't like to give that much credence to starting minutes, but I do think when the sky open up their season in July, that we are going to see Cheyenne as the starting four and but she's kind of the opposite of Jantel in some respects too where she is a little bit more streaky than stable but I also wouldn't be surprised if she put it all together like she did early last season where she's this bruiser who I think Wade values since they don't necessarily have a traditional center and I feel like even though Steph does start at the five that Cheyenne actually fits that profile for someone who's a little bit more of a traditional center, even though she doesn't really play there that often. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I wouldn't also wouldn't be surprised though, if Azrae Stevens came out and yeah. proved that she's the best candidate to take over Jan Talsman's just because she has that ability to stretch the floor. And like we talked about when she was acquired from the wings last off season, I think her three point numbers could actually go up but I think she hovers around 31% right now at the last time I checked like I think that she in terms of, of maximizing this team's window for winning a championship and doing it this season I think that her shooting ability and again like she's 6'6 and is able to really use her size to her, her advantage on both ends of the floor that that might actually be the route that Wade goes and maybe she closes games rather than starts but I think Azrae and her health are really going to determine what this team ceiling is going to be. But I mean, do you think that Ezra just talent wise, not thinking about health right now, I mean, would you ha- rather have Cheyenne at the four? Or would you wa- think that Ezra could step in right away and be the player that she was at Duke? It's really hard to say. Uh, Cheyenne has the, has the experience on her side and there's always so much worry with players coming off injury. I mean, I watched her college tape. And to have a 6'6 player with her size, um, and hopefully, I mean, it would be great if she added some strength too, who can put the ball on the floor between the, uh, the elbow and the low post is, is so invaluable to have. It's difficult for a lot of players to defend that. It just, it just really is. And it's not just the typical, you know, back to the basket dribble post move. It's drive and then set things up. So I think, if anything, they would split time. Mm-hmm. You might see either of them you know, play 19 to uh, 20 minutes per game and just evenly split that, those, those numbers. Uh, but I, I think Cheyenne, when she's on, I think James Wade might go with who's ever the hottest hand. You, know, yeah. you see a lot of – I think you see players, coaches do that a little bit more, like we're going to ride this lineup – um, he's definitely done it in the past when the sky have been down and they've gotten back in the games. It's like, we're going to ride the hot lineup right now rather than go with the normal substitutions. But, but to be fair, he also is a coach that looks at uh, the past previous uh, games and goes with a, you know, a traditional lineup to close games when he's found something that works. Mm-hmm. But I still think I would, I still think that they would go with Cheyenne to start at least at the beginning of the season 
work Azaray into the into the lineup, get some continuity, uh, get Ruby Hebert some minutes. But at most, I think you'll see them split time. I mm-hmm. think Cheyenne will close games at least to start. This is, you know, it's a very compact season. So within those first five games or so, that quarter of the season, I think Cheyenne will be on the floor at the end. I lean towards that as well in terms of like what I actually think is going to happen. We can't forget about Gabby Williams either, you know. I mean, and I think that in terms of what she wanted out of her playing time this season, that she's the biggest winner here. Not that there are winners, you know, losing a teammate like Jantel, but Gabby clearly wanted to play, you know, she wants to play small ball four rather than having to run the point. And I don't think we're going to be seeing point Gabby as much as we're going to miss her and the fun narrative that we had last season and her earning the point. Um, but I think she was already going to take less. She wasn't going to take on that role as much as she did last season anyway, just because Kalia Copper and her new contract would probably signify that Copper will probably take on a more ball dominant role off the bench anyway. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Gabby is going to be used as that Swiss army knife on the defensive end. And maybe she is able to not feel the pressure of having to be a ball dominant point guard as much as she was last season. So I think that is going to be really, it's going to be interesting to see how she's used, but man, I think you already hit on it too with Ruthie Hebert. Last week you talked about her high floor coming out of Oregon. I think with the loss of a player like Jantel that Hebert is, was like the perfect draft pick for this team and what they needed out of a rookie heading into this season like last season, I mean, Katie Lou was just not ready to was just not ready to take take on a lot of minutes for this team, and you know we we don't have to go into the Katie Lou discussion again. But I think heading into this past draft, I think Wade now that he's really I know I know he said that this team was ready to make the playoffs even last year before the season, but this year, I mean, you know, it was just different knowing that this team could really make noise in the playoffs like they showed last season and having someone who is already WNBA ready. And like you said last time, like her floor is high and she already has a couple of skills that translate to the league and being able to clean up the glass on the offensive end and be able to provide some steadiness in her ability to score down low. I think that that's really going to be a huge part of the sky being able to succeed despite not having Jantel and James Wade really get like when he talks about getting the player that he wanted out of the draft, he really did. And, you know, losing Jantel, I think even multiplies that. Yeah. I think uh, her best assets come in rebounding and defense and just um, stamina. She's got such a great motor. She keeps moving. She keeps moving. She keeps moving. I I was looking at tape uh, the other, a few minutes ago before we started where on breakouts she's the she's out in front of she's out ahead she's not an overly quick player mm-hmm. but she's got long strides and she's running when they have breakout chances she's going up the floor so the sky thrive on that transition offense we saw it last year mostly with diamond and Kalia. and if you can add a big to that who like you said if you put them out there five minutes on the floor and you get two easy buckets that's fantastic those four points really add up to a lot mm-hmm and she's going to stay – she keeps her head underneath the rim. She's hanging in there on offensive rebounds. She's in there on defensive rebounds. And she's able to play in the post very well straight up. And if she has to come out, at least on switches, for a second, 
she gets her hands in there to get to knock the ball away and disrupt. So I think that's what they'll be looking for mostly. If she can work on, um, in, you know, improving her feet, her feet, her footwork in the post, and just keeping, she's got very quick feet. If she can improve on that even better, then you're going to get just a hard-nosed, tough defensive player who can get you six points a night if they're if they're right, and then six rebounds as well. That's really what you want. If you can get that in a small space of time, just like, yo, Ruthie, we need you for this burst, and you gain a lot and don't lose anything, that's perfect. Yeah, and, you know, this guy also gained a pretty solid player. You mean, despite that Cindy Colson's out indefinitely with COVID, I mean, Stella Johnson from Ryder University, I mean, I think that she's also someone that, again, I'm not a big women's college basketball guy or even just college basketball in general, but she is really like someone that could really help this team too as an insurance policy is somewhat like if this team needs a little bit of shooting from the outside. I mean, I think Stella Johnson averaged over, I think she averaged over like 25 points per game last season. It was like the 9.7. Yeah. At least at one point, it might not have been the, for the entire season, but I know um, <laughs> at, at some point she was averaging nearly 30 points a game. Yeah. And I think it was Howard Mengal who was saying that it was her defense that was really the part that really landed her a spot on that team and how she's developed into this great offensive weapon. You know, I hate that Sydney is going to be out indefinitely with COVID. And I think, I thought that Madeline Kenny said that she is expected to be back with the team at some point. Uh, don't hold me to that, but with Sydney down right now, I think it does help this team just a little bit, just to have, a look at Stella Johnson, who they didn't even draft initially, and that how you don't usually get those opportunities to check out diamonds in the rough, if you want to call her that. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a nice pickup for what they do. Like, I know you hate the term three and D, like a three and D player, but I mean, that's what Stella Johnson is, you know, she plays hard on the uh, defensively and she can shoot from three. And I think those are the things that James Wade really does value in his system. So I think that it's going to really, it's a good pickup for what was out there on the free agent pool. And I know there's a lot of talent out there, but you can't really go wrong with picking up Stella Johnson, especially if she's not going to be playing significant minutes anyway, you know? I think it gives you um, some time to spell for um, Kalia and Diamond if you, if you want to give her some time. It, it almost reminds me of like a rule five draft pickup in baseball <laughs> Yeah, where, you know, you have a player who's on the 40, the 40 man roster, and then you don't protect them. And then another team picks them up. And there've been so many of those guys who have gone on to really great careers. And so Stella Johnson fell into the sky's lap just due to this entire situation that is so unprecedented. And it's really cool. Calvin Wetzel wrote a long article on her for medium where he, he was diving deep into to what makes her really good. And I, I just read that this week uh, again. And he was talking about how they get, how they get her the ball off of the Iverson cut, the shallow cut across uh, the free throw line extended to get her the ball ISO on the wing. Um, her, her crossovers, which are very, very good. And her, her defense, as you said, she was number two in all of college basketball, I think, with steals. is 2.9 steals per game. And again, this is Ryder. This is a mid-major school at best. But she put up 41 points against Lipscomb last year. 
She played well against Penn State, a Big Ten school, even though they're not one of the top schools in the Big Ten. She played well against them. Um, and she gets to the free throw line, which is something that we've talked so many times about. This guy always need that. If you can, they, they get a lot, they are able to score. That's not even, in, that's not ever been a question. They have shooters. They have people who can get to the basket and score. They have uh, players who can get to the basket, but they had so much trouble drawing fouls, drawing shooting fouls. And so if you have another player who can get people out of their defensive stance, get people up in the air and draw fouls, more, the more the merrier, really. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I actually I have to get going now because I have some work to do. I, my boss just texted me that he needs me to write something up. But, I mean, is there anything that you want to say before we wrap this up and uh, send it in? <laughs> There's a good article that I haven't read yet, but Maya Moore uh, got featured on Good Morning America and in Wired Magazine this week as uh, Jonathan Irons, who was serving that 50-year prison sentence and who was the reason that Maya Moore stepped away from basketball. Um, he was released this week, so that was the uh, the culmination of their their uh, joined odyssey. And so that was really cool that everybody now, even though people have been talking about it, everybody now is really recognizing what an impact Maya Morris had. Um, can't remember exactly who it was, but I think it was W Slam uh, called her a legend, and that's well deserved. You know, this is Maya Moore who won championships in college, won championships at the pro level, got million dollars worth of deals with uh, salary and endorsements, was in the Uncle Drew commercials. And her legend is now that she is an advocate for prison reform, a successful advocate for prison reform. And there, you know, let's, let's be honest about it. There have been lawyers and other activists who have gone to the mattresses. And I don't know, you know, I don't, you know, sometimes they don't have as much success. This is her first, mm -hmm. this is her first time through, but this is something that meant a lot to her. And I'm sure people questioned the decision at the time because there, people exist and they, they question things. Nobody's ever 100%, there's no, never a 100% acceptance or <laughs> denial of something. Very true. But it's a really incredible story. Um, so check out that, that Wired, that Wired.com article. I'm going to find the Good Morning America video where she and uh, Jonathan were both featured on the show. But yeah, Maya Moore, already a champion and proving it. Again, I just love how athletes are trying to put to rest the idea that they can't be civically engaged and do something outside of the court. I just love their shutting up Laura Ingrams in the world. I think that's the second time in three pods that I'm targeting uh, oh, Laura Ingram. No. But you Spit know, those Laura Ingram bars, yeah. dude. Do oh that. yeah, she's horrible. Definitely check out that Maya Moore article. Chris, thanks for joining me on the pod again. Um, and also, we got a, a quick announcement that we are going to be rejoining Windsider on the yeah. you know Windsider Podcast Network. Really, Aria Schwartz. All the people at Winsider, thank you for letting us be a part of the podcast network that they're trying to create over there. They're doing some great work, and we're just really excited to be a part of it. So huge shout out to them. And yeah, thanks for listening to another edition of this. Yeah, thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time. <laughs>